0: Well hello and welcome to Rhythms of Grace. Uh, I'm Christine, I'm here with Nate. Here I am. And Sung. Hey. I always go counterclockwise it's around true. the table. It's true. If um, you ever
1: mention Sung first, I'd be like, oh, uh, yeah, oh, I what? <laughs> oh, should, I, am I in the wrong place? I should oh. sit
0: in your
2: seat
1: next time. <laughs> oh my though. gosh, that would really shake things
0: up. Um, anyway, we are glad you are all all are here with us, uh, as we talk about technology and faith. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, this, uh, we've all series, we've been talking about how, uh, yeah, we just need to take a, a look at the, the water we swim in, right? This, um the technology that's all around us and what impact it has. And um, so today, uh, Nate, you get to to kick us off. Mm -hmm. with.
1: Yeah, before I do that, I want to also remind uh, listeners that when we talk about technology, we're not merely talking about like iPhones and mm-hmm. and laptops, but that technology is really anything, basically advances in science that help us achieve. You know what mankind wants to achieve. Yeah. That is technology. The yeah. wheel is technology. Fire is technology. Um, so when we're talking about it, it's really easy to think specifically apps and smartphones. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other ways that. Basic, call it scientific advancements, impact our faith that we want to make sure we're keeping in mind. Yeah. Yep. So one of the things that I think is uh, fascinating is to talk about like the actual like church experience mm. on a Sunday, mm-hmm. let's say, or your time in a small group or something like that, and how has technology for good or for ill impacted those experiences? Because it's not value neutral for us to show up someplace every every week, have an experience, and imagine that that doesn't drift into, I mean, we might say explicitly what we want is that people are impacted by what happens on Sunday, yeah. right? And so to think about how technology has impacted that experience flows into how we're expecting people to develop their faith mm-hmm. their personal faith um and all the things that like sort of go with that from relationships to neighbors to the way that they think about their families to the way that they're engaging with god on a one-on-one level mm-hmm. i mean all of those things yeah so that's what i've i think that's interesting <laughs> to me yeah here's what here's what i think is fascinating just to start us off imagine like a hundred years ago there was no Amplification apart from well, apart from like the acoustics of the room mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and like there was there wasn't really an ability to have a church of 10,000 people yeah because it was not possible to communicate to 10,000 people mm-hmm. at once and I wonder how how you guys think that has this amplification alone
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: how do you think that has changed the way that people engage with church
0: yeah some.
2: I mean, it has made the stage more central Mm. Hmm. versus uh, like a community of believers Mm. being together. Mm -hmm. Um, It has made like a worship team and a vocalist become more the focal point versus a communal singing experience. Mm. Yeah. Uh, And I would say, yeah, uh, I mean, that's one example. I mean, every single technological advance uh, has shaped the experience of church in every generation. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean the the construction of the cathedrals, for example, yeah. was technology. Mm-hmm. It was like the, like they they yeah. couldn't have built those gigantic, you know, edifices without mm-hmm. advances in technology. And uh-huh. so that really changed. I mean, just imagine. It, it it became like a place that was supposed to you were supposed to enter it and the physical space itself was supposed right. to re- remind you of how sort of grand god
2: was right mm-hmm. and, and it would force your eyes to look up mm-hmm. which was also part of the point of the high ceilings was that when you came in there your eyes naturally looked mm. up and so that was that that was even a physical reflection of what was what was supposed to happen internally
1: yeah i that's uh when i think about that i think about in some ways it's not a bad thing Mm -hmm. but it is really different than sort of jesus being born in a manger Mm -hmm. which was really Mm -hmm. like the exact opposite of Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. experience yeah Mm -hmm. so it's not that it's i just i think is like interesting to observe
0: and i think it's you know there there are Positives and negatives about each of each of these things right where it's like, oh, yeah The positive is your eye, you know, your gaze was drawn Upwards you Mm. were reminded of like God's, you know, might and grandeur and all of that Um, Whereas, you know, I remember growing up hearing a lot of my older relatives, you know, complaining about how oh in today when you walk into a sanctuary, your gaze is drawn to the drum cage or Uh, to the band, you know, like Mm -hmm. what is, what's being spotlighted, what is being, um, highlighted. And, uh, you know, that, that is like also maybe not, it's also very different from, from the manger scene or, um, but there are other pros and cons. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. And I would say, uh, again, uh, as we define technology, uh, I, I would say you could go back to the, the the peace of Rome, Pax Romana, where they built all the roads throughout the Mediterranean world. And that was a technological advance that was unseen in mm-hmm. the history of the world. And because of that, Uh, Scripture talks about how God came at the right time, you know, Mm -hmm. to like part of that was the advancement of that technological innovation that allowed the gospel to go throughout the entire world. Um, at the same time, uh, uh, with every innovation, there's positive and negatives. Like you said, Christine, uh, another big one, uh, one of the biggest one was the Gutenberg press mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that allowed, uh, in good ways to, uh, have scripture in print. And so it wasn't just the priests yeah. who had access to the word of God. Uh, on the other hand, um, uh there's all sorts of other consequences that happen, and i would say uh the uh, i would say one of the biggest shifts in the last 500 years or maybe since the gutenberg press has been covid when it mm. comes to technology yeah because now all of a sudden no church is going to like that that wants to survive into the future is going to just have in person flesh and blood um uh, uh experiences mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh, I lo- you you made
1: you made three points each of which <laughs> i think will be so fascinating <laughs> um but l- like the, i think the Gutenberg uh printing press is a really good one to start with mm-hmm. were there do you perceive um downsides to like to to mm. th- that technological advancement song
2: no hmm. um i do Oh, okay,
0: go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I just finished Church History 2, which is one of my seminary classes, where I uh, was looking at, I think some of the downsides were, um, and, and this is also the upside, right? The upside is everyone had mm-hmm. access to what the yep. Bible actually said. Yep. Um, the downside is everyone began to interpret little pieces, right? You, you gave the bible to a bunch of semi-literate people and said interpret this hmm. right instead of you know people who understood the context who understood um and that was what the catholic church was like really afraid of right was um i think we can we can maybe demonize it and say you know as protestants like oh well they were just trying to keep everyone under the catholic control right. but also there's the fear of uh, you know we we talk about how the Bible is misused all the time. Yeah, And, uh,
1: people cherry picking. Yeah. Scriptures people, can or phrases cherry pick,
0: and... people misunderstand, don't understand the context. So even though I think on the whole Gutenberg press positive win. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I'm glad that I can read the Bible for myself and, yeah. and especially as a woman that is also, you know, like wasn't always the case. Um, but I think there is, you know, yeah. Cherry picking, uh, that it caused a lot of divisions in the church once mm. everyone was able to read the Bible for themselves and interpret it in their own way. Um,
1: yeah, I had a I had a, a friend of mine, more of an acquaintance really, but he was, he was saying, he was talking about his church and that he was going to leave. And his reasoning was, I've been doing a lot of Reading of the Bible, and there are a couple things that I feel like God showed me that were sort of like deal breakers, and I was like, again, I, I, I was I w- was not the time to get into it, but that type of attitude, sort of like mm-hmm. God has revealed something to me specifically, yeah. that means that me and my family should remove ourselves from this community of faith. That is different than that is that's different than sort of like call it, um, if. There are a bunch of people that are sort of discerning together. Let's yeah. say and and being able to just the Gutenberg press made that happen.
2: Thanks, Gutenberg. <laughs> well, the other thing too is uh, if you go back further, uh, when churches were not as prevalent, uh, that was just that was your community. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like your family. You, yeah. you, you couldn't you didn't have the luxury of going to another church yep. yeah. because that's where you that's where that's where the cathedral or the church that your town had. Yeah, there wasn't one, and that was it. Yeah. You, you didn't really mm-hmm. go to the next town over just because you didn't like your church yeah. here in town. Mm-hmm. I, I think for me, it's less so much the democratization of scripture as much as um, it, it's a significant shift in just societal, ju- just the way people th- see the world and think about it. Like, for example, before then, I would say, um, especially in ancient cultures, people would actually like depend on oral storytelling mm. and they would mm-hmm. utilize a lot of memorization mm-hmm. so you hear stories of people who would in, uh, memorize the entire Torah yeah mm-hmm. like and you think about that today you're like what like what crazy person would have done that yeah. but you don't understand the waters they were swimming in because it wasn't a written culture everything was told through story mm-hmm. um, it got passed down from generation to generation and it forced you to memorize large chunks of text mm-hmm. So if if anything, it dumbfied uh, uh, society. It's it's interesting to think uh, like just
1: recently I've been um, there have been several times where I was made aware that the things that Jesus said that we sort of take um, as very very important we're actually quoting the Old Testament right like yeah. into thy into thy hands I, I commit my spirit that's an old testament quote from mm-hmm. the psalms or like when he says like the greatest commandment yeah. love the lord your yeah. god he's actually quoting the old testament there so mm-hmm. it's really right. interesting to think about someone like jesus who would have probably had these vast amounts of scripture memorized how much that informed the, the words that we now sort of take as like New Testament, mm-hmm. truth, you know? Right, right. Um, so yeah. Thanks again, Gutenberg.
2: So yeah. So it, it, like just the way like Google maps does for me, mm. like yes. I can go, oh. uh, like I go to the same place over and over again. And Amy's like, don't you know how to get there? Like, I, I don't mean the office to home, right? Right. I, I know, right? But like, uh, no, because I, 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 I have the conv- luxury and I have the convenience of turning off my brain yep. So, and just follow this map and almost blindly just go oh, wherever yeah. it says mm-hmm. so what, what, what the iphone has done or what gutenberg has done has dumbified in the sense of like we have more access to knowledge mm-hmm. but it just means we, we uh we don't have opportunities the same opportunities to engage our brains yeah. in the way that previous generations did mm-hmm. that's a good analogy mm-hmm.
1: like that's a good analogy
2: so nobody would be like oh yeah i'm i maps is evil i i mean uh yeah, um, yeah. Google, google maps, maps right yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love it. But again, Amy, on the other hand, she will use it if she's going somewhere new, but she'll just kind of know where to go. Mm -hmm. And I'm at a point where, you know, and for me, I'm just like, I don't want to use my brain in that way yeah, Mm -hmm. because there's too much of life that I need to use my brain. Right. That's one aspect I don't want to use. And so in one sense, it's really good. On the other hand, let's understand what it's doing to our brains. Just like phones, right? Like uh, how many phone numbers do you? Do you, do you remember like i don't even know my kids phone numbers if, yeah. if like if if i just had to call them right i mean because it's all on speed dial yep. or whatever it is and so there's so many ways So those again it's not, it's less like bad or evil as much as can we understand culture the way we see and hence the way we see the world and the way we live within the world significantly changes uh, at these certain uh, Mm -hmm. inflection points. Mm -hmm. I I had a
1: friend of mine who uh, was a part of, when he was in undergrad, he was a part of uh, a campus uh, ministry that was called The Navigators. Uh I don't know if they're still around. Mm -hmm. Scripture memorization was like their their, thing. It was their thing. And it was amazing how many times we'd be in a conversation and he would be able to quote like chapter verse, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. explicitly. Um, And just tremendously, tremendously value. Bull in his sort of, uh, you know, um, development as a person of faith, and there's almost no need to do that anymore. Yeah, you know, yeah.
0: yeah. And I have found when I am like more intentional about memorizing scripture, uh, it changes my whole outlook, right? Yeah. Like it changes um, the way that I I see the world uh, versus when I'm uh, maybe go months or years without. Making that a practice.
1: Yeah. But then on the other uh, the other side of it, like y- you can, and this is, so I, again, grew up pre-smartphone. I would sort of have an idea of where something was like on a page in my Bible. And so I would sort of like flip to that, which mm-hmm. again, wasn't memorization, but it would sort of be like, I think it's like upper right hand corner yeah. in Mark, you know, sort mm-hmm. of a thing. Um, but now uh, one of the beauties is that I can sort of have a phrase in Mm -hmm. my head. I can be reminded of, and I can like just type that into my phone and it Mm -hmm. tells me that that is a real benefit because I have lots of these like pieces that are just, and I believe sometimes God brings them to mind Mm -hmm. and it's great to, to be able to sort of like find the full context and read the full chapter and and see what it actually says. So there are pluses, but again, the cost is that I don't have these massive chunks memorized. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And I think another cost is like before, you know, you had to be in community with other believers mm. because it'd be like, oh, I can't remember. What did the Bible say here? And collectively, you yeah. know, someone knows or can fill in, you know, and you, you can come together. And um, and that is not as reliable as having the book printed in front of you. Right. But also now it, it does. You know, we talked about individualism versus collectivism. Right. Like mm. now I on my own can decide what is true, mm. find it on my own. I don't need other, other people for, yeah. for a lot of those things. Yeah,
2: and, and you could refer to uh, 10 different authors that have 20 different viewpoints, and mm-hmm. you could pick and choose which viewpoint you like.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So, okay, printing press, that was great. <laughs> uh, you also mentioned COVID in terms of like no church can have a purely in-person
2: well i I would say maybe not currently but i would say 50 years from now um i i I think covid is one of those landmark happens every 500 Mm. years kind of cultural shifts Mm. like the gutenberg press and while we may not experience the immediate consequence now like two three four five ten generations from now they're going to be like how did they even do that Mm. Just, just like we would imagine how did they even memorize like five books of the bible yeah. that's just crazy yeah. i think they're gonna say like how, how did they even experience faith in such a uh ironically incarnated way yeah. without transcending uh time uh, nations uh all sorts of other things um
1: whoa That's intense. Yeah. (laughs) That's intense.
2: I I, I mean, even, and I imagine this, I don't know if it'll happen in my lifetime. I I mean, I joke around about it, but it's like, yeah, at some point, like, uh, the preacher won't even have to come go out on a Sunday morning because there'll be a, a, a hologram uh, the person right up on stage and it'll seem like that person is up there
1: we were uh i think you and i were talking to a church that had that like yeah. sort of technology oh, yeah, yeah. and i don't know if they it, it may not have been an actual hologram it, wasn't, but it, a, yeah. it was a screen that came all the way down yeah mm. so that the person speaking was life-size on the screen uh, on the screen yeah, it was a church s- in arizona yeah and so and they said that they would regularly have people that weren't familiar come up afterwards to try to talk to the speaker mm. not realizing that they had been watching a screen the whole time that's a <laughs> i mean like uh, so uh, if we're going to talk benefits and mm-hmm. sung you and i when in our in our time on staff together we went really far down this road of exploration yeah. in terms of like what are the benefits that technology allows um for traversing time and space right. you know either as a preacher or as a as a network of churches um, but like like what are what are the downsides of something like that what's the downside and this is an honest question not being sarcastic of a hologram preacher Mm.
2: what's the downside yeah well i mean okay even before getting to hologram but even just video and all that kind of stuff right like faith becomes a commodity Mm. Mm. it's something you consume yeah i will even say too i've had uh, pastors of larger churches say to me privately, cause they would never say this part, and, and, and some who will say, I, I'm, I'm getting off this, this track because I feel like I am just a commodity mm. to the, to the people in our church. Mm. Yeah. I would even, I, and I, I would say this, uh, I, I do say this, uh, when it comes up in conversation, like, especially with some of our, our pastors, like, like for me, I understand like, um, in one sense, it's more than just commodity, but I am a commodity mm. because for most people, I'm just the face on stage. Mm.
1: Right, right, right.
2: And some, and some of it, is like just wrestling with that whole thing, right? Yeah. Like there is there is a give and take that that's not like, and some people, some friends of mine have said, no, I, I, I don't want to be commodity. I, I'm out of this game. Mm. For me, I'm kind of like, no, I embrace that's reality mm. at the same time how do I leverage that to form relationships and connections? Yeah.
1: And I think that, yeah, I mean, I remember one of the, I think it was the same church in Arizona where one of the, I think it was the executive pastor was describing essentially like our service is a product that we push to our locations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like centrally they, you know, the teaching and the the worship songs and everything it's, put together by like a team of professionals and it's actually a product and you you don't have a product without a consumer. Mm-hmm. You're essentially saying like the people in the seats are consumers of this product that we're creating, which mm-hmm. uh, again, there, the, there are benefits. If you like some, like if you said, if you can leverage that mm-hmm. into, it's sort of like we talked about with the gamification, if you can leverage that initial step of quality into something that is more habitual or relational or, um, incarnational. Uh, but the downside is that if you don't do that, people sort of just buzz in and buzz out and there no transformational, no transformation required basically.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. You know, and and I would say that this, a debate that happens in the church role has happened for decades. is like the whole consumerism thing. And on one hand, Like I would say the faith and church has a, has a love hate thing, right? Because on one hand you can't, you can't deny that is just the part of being a human being. Mm. Um, Consumerism. Yeah. Yeah. We all are. Right. So pastors were like, Oh, down on consumerism. You just bought something on Amazon today. Mm. Like stop saying that Mm. at the same time, let's understand the dangers of it too. Yeah. Right. It's not value neutral. What happens when, when, um, Faith is just a product and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then uh, that's where you get the, well, I don't like the product, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, that, I, on one hand, you can't deny the reality of how culture has shaped uh, even Christians. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what's not going to help is to demonize it. Uh, on the other hand, like we talked about gamification last week, understanding this is the, the this is kind of just human nature. Yeah, how do we redirect some of those desires? So uh, maturity looks like uh, going from consumerism to contribution to you know, mm. like you're, you're contributing to the community of faith with your presence and your gifts and just who you are. Um, and, and how do we how do we make consumerism maybe a, a starting point? But not the endpoint.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That okay. So that is a great question because some would argue that like the way and I don't yeah. the way that yeah. the way that you come come in. come in is not value neutral. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, and so it's it's a, that's a tricky thing that technology basically allows us to invite people in um, apart from uh, with lo- with it lowers the cost mm-hmm. essentially yeah, of coming yeah. in. Yeah. So how do you how do you then take that? and transform it into someone being a, a contributor or mm-hmm. like have having a sense of ownership or membership.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I guess what this makes me think of is, uh, maybe uh, earlier, like at the very beginning of the season, we talked about, um, how like technology puts the, the, the benefit first and then doesn't tell you the cost till you're hooked. Okay. And yeah, yeah, yeah. how Christ's way was the opposite. But it sounds like what what we're saying is how can we how can we be more like technology <laughs> and put the benefit first while hiding the cost, mm. but then allow people who came in as consumers to like find out the, you know what I mean? Like I so, so for me, I like do. alarm bells went off when you, when you said that song of like, wait, that's, that's exactly like, that's the opposite of what Christ did. Christ <laughs> was like, no, don't come to me as consumers. Like, he was like unless I mean, you yeah. eat my body and drink yeah. my blood, don't follow me. Or right? He was like, so, leave your nets. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, then,
1: and then, I'll, then I'll make you
2: fishers yeah. of men.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting.
2: So, uh, I haven't processed this, so I'm just kind of verbalizing yeah. this right now. Uh, uh, when it comes to technology, when it comes to, uh, uh, the crowd, if you will. Mm,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, uh, the, it's not like Jesus didn't fill needs. Yeah. Oh,
0: he yeah. He performed
2: miracles, he, he fed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of his calls to radical discipleship were actually to his, to his disciples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would say, and, and to what you were saying, Nate, too, like, yeah, you, what you attract people to is what they stay. So if you attract people because you bring a, a tank on stage, <laughs> They're just, I mean, and churches do that. They're yeah. going to want bigger, better, sexier, yeah. right? Yep. I think it's very different if you are attracting somebody based on kind of just maybe a basic human desire to belong or mm. to be a part of something. And you attract them to, let's say, a good cultural biblical exegesis in a way that forms you in, in a larger community that is diverse, with uh, that is not homogenous, but really tries to live out the kingdom of God, uh, bringing his reign into this world right now, That uh, that, that is consumerism, but they're, they're getting a very different product mm-hmm. in the beginning. It's not a, hey, big hair personality, you know. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's something- As so much as we'd all like to see that. Somewhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, it, it, I, I think that's something uh, every church needs to ask is what is it that you are- uh, offering them. Mm-hmm. And then, and yeah. then the price does come like, as you get hooked, if you will, like Christine, you're talking about t- like technology. It's like, man, I really love this community. And then what, what is born out of that is like, uh, and, and we see this week after week, like, man, this has been so good. I I want to be a part of welcoming other people to be mm-hmm. part of this community mm-hmm. as well too. So, but, but if it's like a big name speaker or a a, a big sexy event, like, you're going to have to keep them coming because of that. Yeah. And so uh, I, I think that's what you're speaking to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. Like, I feel, yeah. Uh, Jesus did. He he was like, come and be healed and be fed. Right. Mm-hmm. And then while he was doing that, he was teaching. Mm-hmm. And while he was teaching, he was giving some hard truths. Yeah. Like, yeah. Leave your nets if you, Yeah.
1: Well, one of the things that I was actually just thinking about is like, there's that passage where Jesus was, um, he was preaching to the crowd and he got in a boat and pushed out into the water, which I'm just going to say it technology. Yeah, (laughs) Like he was using the fact that sound waves travel great distances across water in order to communicate to a much larger group of people than Mm. he could otherwise. So uh, again, it's just interesting to, 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 I think and this is where we always land on this like there's so much like <laughs> discernment that needs to come in where it's saying like what are you what are you using your technology for mm-hmm. and sort of where do you draw the line between making access available to many versus like lowering the bar, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the, and, and so again, it's just as interesting to me to remember that, Oh, well Jesus actually was doing this same thing. He was like, mm-hmm. Oh, well I can preach to 5,000 people if I'm out in this boat. Mm-hmm. And he didn't expect all those people to become disciples and he didn't, you know, but he still was like using it. So
2: mm-hmm. hmm. yeah. So he, he still ministered to the crowd, but he, he really called for like a whole love, different level of uh commitment. Yeah. And that's where, you know, Peter's like, well, where, where should we go? Mm. Right. You have the words of life. Yeah. Mm. And it, because the call was so high, the commitment was so high. They were like, gosh, well, I don't know that we can handle this. Mm. Um, and so I, I think, um, I, I, think you, you may, uh, if you're attracting people based on, let's say entertainment, mm. Um, and, and and then your way of deeper discipleship is all entertainment and then there is no cost mm. um, to a deeper walk with God in community with others. Like I would say everything, like you think of family or friendships, marriages, right? Like, like there is a, a deeper cost mm. the, the more you get, in, like invest in it. Mm-hmm. You, you you don't invest deeper and then there's less cost. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always more cost. At the same time, the benefits and the enjoyment actually outweighs the cost. So uh, it doesn't feel like a cost. Yeah. Like if you think of marriage, right? Yeah. For example, or, or relationships, mm-hmm. right? Oh, you enjoyed so much, but there is a cost. Mm-hmm. Time, energy, attention, uh, but because it's, it, it's gotten to a point where it's so mutually beneficial mm-hmm. and that's not the reason why you stay there, but but there's, there's a level of enjoyment. You are willing to pay the cost. Yeah. I, I think when it comes to faith, um, there is a horizontal aspect where people need to feel and experience the benefit of community, uh, if you will. Uh, before they can actually see the benefit of the vertical relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not dissimilar
1: from someone coming and getting fed or getting healed by, by right. Jesus mm-hmm. and then sort of experiencing the deeper call to discipleship.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it, it's not an exaggeration to say, at least in, in our area of the country, that like, yeah, um, being fed, not necessarily the uh, primary motivator, yeah. but being, being nourished relationally, that is an area where a lot of us are starving. Mm. Um, and that is an area where the church can serve before it, it calls.
1: I think what's uh, so I, I think, I think what I'm struck by is that there are plenty of churches who sort of make that the, the stated goal versus sort of, communicating that that's the ground floor. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, I think community is a buzzword in a lot of churches, like come and like mm-hmm. find your and which is fine, but it's almost like that needs to be the the only the first right, right. the, the mm-hmm. first part of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And you sort of have to I think technology again allows us to communicate that very broadly, mm-hmm. get a lot of people in, but if you're not then immediately um, like trying to move those people into something with more cost associated, you're not really quite following the model.
2: Right. And, and I would say in previous generations, uh, it, you know, if there's a, a three word sequence the previous generations, it'd be you, you, you come, if you believe mm. uh, that then, then you belong. Mm. Right. Um, whereas now it's really flipped. In a postmodern society, it's really the way around. You come and belong first, mm. whether you believe or not. That's not the point. Mm. Um, and I would say that's postmodern evangelism and discipleship. Belonging is the first step. Mm. That that is the condition in which you come to believe. Um, and then, as you believe, then you become.
1: Why do you think there? Why do you think there is a pushback against that? Uh, is is it simply sort of like the modernism, postmodernism argument, like still rearing its head as it comes to faith? Why do you feel like there's a, a pushback um, amongst some churches to like that way of doing things? Come, belong, believe, and sort of like, why do they see that as a dumbing down of the gospel or uh, like not calling people to faith?
0: I know in in my uh classes where there are are you know classmates from maybe churches who are more believe first than belong mm-hmm. it's it's the same fear that we see in with every model is well will you take the next step right it's hmm. like you know back in the day it was okay you can believe but still not belong um now it's like oh you can belong and and never be pushed to believe right mm. and so i think uh every model has examples where it it doesn't it doesn't work i see um and so the fear is like oh well is it is this just the like what do you call it The club um that you all come to and you all belong and and you know whether or not you believe
1: right there's never any cost yeah yeah Yeah.
0: i think the fear is yeah exactly faith without cost
1: Hmm. that makes sense Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Today. But I
2: think the cultural reality today, take denominations, for example, uh, a few generations ago, if you moved to a different part of the country, you looked for a church in the same denomination yeah. because mm-hmm. belief came first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you move, it, it's not that. right. Yeah. Like you could find de- a church in the same denomination and you're like, these aren't my people, right? Mm-hmm. But then you'll go to a church of a different denomination or non-denomination. And go, oh, these are my people. Yeah. So again, it's it's the cultural narrative that shapes and uh, shapes and drives uh, uh, the the. Uh, I guess the methodology,
1: right? Because it sounds like what you're saying is we sort of embrace the cultural reality. We uh, we sanctify the cultural reality mm-hmm. instead of instead of saying, "Well, because the culture does it that way, we should do it the opposite." <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I see. I see. Mm-hmm. I see. Hmm. So the, only, the 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 third thing that you said, Sung, that I thought was so interesting was your description of the Roman roads um, mm-hmm. as a technological advance that really strongly impacted the way the church developed. I was actually thinking about this because like in the U S at least the automobile has done Mm. a really similar thing. That's a piece of technology that has fundamentally changed people's engagement with church. So I've probably told this before, but at the end of my street, it's probably a mile away. There is a church Mm -hmm. that has been there from the early 1800s across the street is a second church from when they went through a church split, <laughs>
2: mm. like
1: also wow. in the 1800s.
2: Just across the street. I, literally, like <laughs> wow. they are
1: literally a stone's throw from each other. And yeah. what happened was like the half the people in the neighborhood had an issue and they left and started their own church mm. across the street. But because you could only get around by walking, <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. not, it's, not like, <laughs> right. it's not like they went to another spot in the city. Yeah. They, they're literally like, oh no, we're just going to buy this piece of land and we're going to build it right stinking here yeah. the advent of the automobile has uh, has allowed us to sort of look further mm-hmm. for our people mm. and some in some ways maybe accentuated the ability of us to belong first mm-hmm. uh, and believe second so i think that's an, another interesting yeah. technological.
2: Mm-hmm. so then if you imagine whether it's a virtual reality or hologram um, imagine at some point um, it's a global. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, Hey, I want to attend a church in Vietnam somewhere and you are there in, in uh, virtual reality oh and there's a hologram there and, and you are interacting with people who are from all different places around the world. Mm. And that is your body. Hmm. Like just, I, I mean, that just seems unimaginable to us today, but like, I think that's, that's going to be the reality of the global church one day.
1: It, it probably feels as weird as like in the 1800s someone saying that they had decided they were going to go to church the next town over like <laughs> yeah. they were going to get in their cart and right. drive you know and yeah. ride like two hours to go to church somewhere else it would be that would have been unimaginable mm-hmm. it would have been like nobody does that right, right right um and it's probably a similar sort of experience of like we can't even but now it's like nothing like for to yeah. get in the car and go to church 15 miles mm-hmm. away it's literally a, like nobody even thinks twice about right. it right
0: yeah and I think the, the the benefit of that is you can be in a community where you feel that belonging you can be in a community where maybe the, the you know you can choose to go to a church where the teaching is stronger or more compelling or the worship is you know brings you you know closer to god or whatever yeah. the the downside is that it, it does and and I think this is like maybe uh, just ramping up right where it's like oh yeah all of a sudden the church does have to compete right? Mm-hmm. It has to keep up in worship, in uh, the message. And it can be really, I think, tempting to uh, have the more compelling sermon instead of the more uh, biblical, ser- you know, or whatever uh, it might be, right? Yep.
1: Um, yep. I think the other thing that I observe, um, and again, a lot of this comes from sort of the Small geographical life that I live Mm. right now, which is that the other thing that churches now find themselves having to do is provide opportunities for community, where those you didn't have to use community was already there built in. It was, and I find that you know I do I do a Bible study with a couple guys in my neighborhood, and our lives intersect in lots and lots and lots of ways, which means that when we gather. We literally, we catch upon each other's lives and we study the Bible mm-hmm. because we don't feel the need to be like, we don't need to share a meal and sort of have yeah. that community connection because that's happening in other places. And so that's another interesting hurdle that technology has afforded. Where on one hand, there's, it's a, you're able to communicate to a much broader scope of people. Mm-hmm. But in doing that, suddenly one of the bedrocks of faith, which is community relationships, now needs to be sort of the, a mandate or a ministry of the church, whereas Mm -hmm. it never used to have to be that. And I think that's, uh, that, that is, you shouldn't minimize that, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially as we talk about people so desperately wanting to belong. Yeah, Um, You can't belong without feeling a sense of community. And now suddenly that's something the church has to spend time doing.
2: Yeah. 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 So again, that shapes even the, what the ministry of the church looks like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you are curating more spaces for community to happen because that is no longer the case. Yeah. You, know, you don't get that at work. You don't get that at home yep. or in your neighborhood. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's true. Uh, how many people like literally pull into an attached garage yeah. at the end of the day? And then mm-hmm. like, literally, you never have to talk to your neighbors if you mm-hmm. don't want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and growing up, we had block parties every year. Oh, right. yeah. And you, just got, you got to know everybody in the neighborhood. Yeah. 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 Like, that's not true anymore.
1: I mean, it's old school, but literally we stop and roll down our window and talk to neighbors when we're mm. driving on our road. Like, mm. because otherwise you just, you don't, first of all, that's how the community works. Yeah. Um, but you, you, there isn't another way, really.
0: Yeah. I am in an apartment, which means I have like 12 neighbors, right? Yeah. And I have only, my upstairs neighbors, I have seen one time. In the eight months I've been living there. It's crazy. And my next door neighbors I have seen maybe thrice. Um, and uh that's yeah, that's just like an easy it's it's easy. I I didn't even have to see them those times, except that I was like, oh man, I want to meet my neighbors. Mm-hmm. You know? Um but I think also with that, it's like with the ability to travel, there's also an increased pressure to engage in uh communities that are further away, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like I think the other thing is not only are you is is church community now separate from the rest of your life um and has to be c- cultivated, yeah, but also you're able to engage in community with your family down in Indiana or Ohio, and you're able to engage in community- you know what i like the, there's an ability to still be part of your community back in detroit
2: yeah
0: um and and all of a sudden there are all these other demands on time mm. mm-hmm which is just a reality to to be aware of. Yeah. But Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I think today's newest technological innovations um w- each generation will kind of hold on to it cuz that's what they're familiar with, right? Cuz mm-hmm. yeah. cuz again, if you imagine like, oh yeah, like worshiping with a community uh out, out in South uh, South Africa, you know, in virtual reality, uh, some of us Gen Xers would be like, "Oh man, that's just, you know, but but that's been true of every generation in the church, mm-hmm. no matter what the I- new innovation is, technological or otherwise. But but just to say society and technology does shape how we interact and how we see the world. Uh, when that generation comes up and that that's all they've known, hmm. uh, I, I think they'll look back and go like, wow, like you, you worshipped with the same people like flesh and blood week after week. <laughs> right. that, that just seems so weird. Hmm. Uh, I, I mean, this is just me imagining. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah.
0: Although I do think I mean so the the benefit of of worshiping with the same people like uh going back a hundred years like worshiping with the people that you did life with yeah the benefit is accountability, the benefit yeah. is life on life discipleship, right like all those benefits I don't think like I as someone who who for the longest time I was living in Plymouth and coming to church in Ann arbor and i I felt. This is not how it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. I, I'm meant to be in community with the people I'm in church with. And mm-hmm. so I think even no matter how I I grew up, you know, driving a half hour to church every every week and I felt like this isn't how this is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So I and it wasn't until I found a church where I could be in community with those people that I I felt at home. And so I I don't know. I think the human heart longs for that, even no matter how far technology pushes us. I agree. So I I do think even though people will have grown up in that church, they'll still seek that human connection connection and consistent discipleship. That's just my two cents.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and we've talked about this in several other episodes, but there are some, there are some cost benefit trade-offs that are not worth it and so it's mm-hmm. interesting to think about like where where in the line of where where technology and faith intersect, where there are things where we say, oh, actually, we're, we're gonna do that differently. Mm-hmm. Like, it's true that you can work a job and never go into a physical office to meet yeah. your coworkers or only go like once a year for like a corporate retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- the technology is available and actually people have proven to be very, very effective, employees and bosses, et cetera, in that type of a setup. But it is also one of those things where maybe you look at it in the context of faith and say, maybe we decide to do things differently because the cost while i would acknowledge there is a tremendous benefit there is also a cost that maybe is not worth paying and that's where again we get Mm -hmm. down to this like it's it's discernment it's like (laughs) really gray right like there are things that technology allows us to do that 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 are so amazing Mm -hmm. um but just calculating the cost
2: i i think what I'm seeing in our discussion is there were certain things that, as human beings, we are created for, mm. and what things we are not not created for. We are not created for isolation. Mm. Yeah. We are not created for um, self sufficiency. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I think that's where the discernment and wisdom piece does come in is there there is no one silver bullet answer for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right 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 everybody's starting at a different point so yeah. somebody here needs to hear one thing somebody else needs to hear another thing mm. part of it is just even being aware of where you are in relation to uh let's say what what, what God what, what God has created us for mm-hmm. and where what's the next step in terms of where you need to go cuz it's going to be different for every person yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's true. And there, I think there are big themes that we can sort of land on and technology Mm -hmm. moves some people forward in those things and certain types. So like if we were to say interdependence, Mm -hmm. if, if you are in like, and this happened during COVID, like there were people that were very, very isolated because they were quarantined or whatever, in which case technology allowed them to engage with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, But that might look really different if, you know, you're like not in that type of a, a setup, you yeah. know?
0: Yeah. So it seems like, uh, yeah, w- w- the starting point is, yeah, who is God calling us to be and how is he calling us to exist? And then, and then it's how does technology get us closer mm. or take us further away?
1: Yeah. And as it comes to sort of the, uh, call it like the Sunday or small group experience, um, I think it's helpful to like acknowledge that technology and advancements you know, societally are going to be drivers and that's not necessarily always going to be evil. Mm -hmm. Although I think that is that, that people tend to feel that way. Uh, There are, there will always be people who are, you know, like I had some Mm -hmm. friends who refused to allow instrumentation Mm -hmm. in their worship service, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. or you go really extreme and you talk about the, you know, the Amish or the Mennonites Mm -hmm. who for them, their lifestyle is a reflection of their religious beliefs Mm -hmm. about being like separate from the rest of the world and and sort of pushing all technology to the edge. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can sort of say, We acknowledge that this these advancements keep happening and they don't have to be uh evil Mm -hmm. although they should be discerned and observed really carefully
0: yeah Yeah.
2: there's your answer
0: (laughs) once again very clear the answer is very
2: clear use wisdom figure it out
0: (laughs) oh man well thank you once again for joining us for rhythms of grace